4: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all qualified customers.
2: Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. CTmobile.com.
0: This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30 day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg
5: Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. The world,
0: the and now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from J.W. Marriott Hotel, the brand new one, inside the Mall of America. The most visited attraction in the world. I mean, that is like a bizarre statistic. Oh, speaking of bizarre, our next guest knows all about that. He's a three-time James Beard, award-winning chef, writer, and teacher and uh, on the Travel Channel, he's got his own set of cookware. He does everything. I think he's probably catering uh, football games. I think by the time we're finished this interview, Andrew Zimmern, how are you, man?
2: I'm great, Peter. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. It's,
0: it's,
2: where, the, uh,
0: where are you? Where, wanna... where are you calling? Where are you calling in from?
2: I'm in uh, Medellin, Colombia.
0: <laughs> of course you are. Where, and...
2: I, where I've already eaten too much.
0: I, I can imagine. I can imagine. I mean, and by the way, they have turned Medellin around. I mean, the whole Cali cartel is gone. It, it, uh, Colombia is a happening place.
2: Do you, do you know something? It, it's amazing. I mean, I've done Cartagena and Bogota, um, and everybody kept telling me to come to Medellin. And I, I came here. The weather is spectacular. I've only been here two days. I can't remember though ever being in any country, in any city, and, and I would put my traveling life up against just about anybody, where the conversation starter with anyone who isn't from Colombia begins with some commentary about how Medellin is no longer the story of Pablo and Grazielda bringing cocaine to America, to Miami, and then to the rest of the world. It is—it's it, it, incredible. Everybody talks about it. It's, it's as if I—I I said to my CAS driver yesterday. I said it's like it's like BC and AD. There's you know during Pablo and after Pablo, and everybody is concerned with KP, and the construction, the housing, the transition, the social programs here where they're transitioning people out of these you know rickety slums built on top of each other on the sides of the mountain and into apartment buildings is working, Um, the middle class here is alive and thriving, and it is a fun, happening city.
0: In fact, if you take a look at the entire country of Colombia now, it's really having a renaissance, because... Uh, yeah. Not just Bogota, you go to the to the west and to the islands that people don't even know about. Uh, you know, you mentioned Cartagena, you know, I remember when Cartagena was, was really bad news and now they've they've cleaned it up. The the seacoast is getting together. Yes, you can still do the horse drawn carriages, and yes they're gonna try to hawk you to buy emeralds. Did you buy any, by the way, Andrew?
2: No, it's I, I think people like us are evolved one stage beyond that.
0: <laughs> but now, what about the food?
2: The, the food is spectacular. You know, the, the the great thing, and you know, you mentioned Bogota and Cartagena, which certainly are more highly developed restaurant cities. But there, you know, my folks here have told me that the you know five or six places I've checked out here, just humble little mom and pop joints, have spawned whole new ways of doing business that are creating new restaurants that are being built right now. And I'll give you a great example. The bandeja paisa is like the working man's, you know, plate. It's, you know, got seven or eight items on it. It's meat heavy. It's topped with a fried egg. Everybody eats it for sustenance, either as a breakfast or if you just had coffee and a piece of fruit as a big lunch. Gives you energy for your day and it's inexpensive. There's a whole bunch of restaurants. I went to one of them yesterday for lunch and posted a picture of my Instagram account did the most beautiful bandeja paisa. And, uh, I, I said to my, my, my friend, I, I said that the quality of the meat with each of the sausages, with, with the, the chicharron, uh, with, the, uh, with the ground beef, which is usually god-awful on that dish in any sort of little country uh, diner you stop in. Uh, I said, "It's absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm stunned by the quality. And he said, well, he says it's a different thing here now. The the guy who owns this place uh, took on a partner who's a butcher, and the butcher's partner was a chef who competed on Master Chef Columbia and they come <laughs> out with a line of their own sausages, all natural, and start showing me the packaging. He said, "This is going to the stores," and I thought I was at a, at a fancy food conference in San Francisco, and to see that going on in the sleepy little streets of uh, a small barrio where escobar used to reign supreme uh is really quite something and there's just there's just cool food going on here and everything everyone is taking it very seriously they see culinary tourism as a big bonus for them
0: total i have a feeling we're not in kansas anymore Andrew, there's also a connection with you right here, in the Twin Cities, isn't there?
2: it's where I live.
0: I know. <laughs> I, I, I,
2: technically, I live on an airplane, but the, the second most amount of time that I spend is at home with my family uh, in Minneapolis. Yeah, so it's uh, that's my hometown. I moved there from New York 25 years ago.
0: And and the reason why you moved to Minneapolis, or is?
2: Oh, I was I was a homeless drug addict and alcoholic and a horrible user of people and taker of things and you know, I, my friends had an intervention for me, not my first, and I went to my umpteenth uh, attempt at getting sober. Um, I've been in and out of uh, jails and institutions and psych wards and detox programs for the, the previous five or six years as my life kind of fell apart. And I finally sobered up at Hazelden, just outside of Minnesota, in Center City. And, uh, you know, the advice was, you know, don't go home. Try to do something different for a while and get some sobriety underneath your legs. And uh, and I did, and that was 25 years ago, and the rest is history. I sort of rebuilt my life there, met a, a young lady, fell in love, got married, you know, Kids, and, you know, the whole nine yards just sort of all happened. And and now I'm extremely grateful that I live there. Um, it's wonderful to be in the entertainment business but not live in New York or L.A. It has its drawbacks, but the benefits far outweigh it.
0: And you know what? I couldn't agree with you more. I went to school in Madison, Wisconsin, and if I could figure out a way to live there full-time, I would. It's the reason why I'm even doing a radio show right now. It's it, uh, We can say anything we want about the Midwest, but it does center you, doesn't it?
2: it's an amazing amazing place literally and figuratively and I think now what's fascinating being a food and travel guy is that what used to be ridiculed as flyover country is now sort of paving the way uh, my mother-in-law always jokes with me when we're watching food shows or I mention a trend or I take her to a restaurant with a you know that a friend owns in another city and they make a big deal out of a a homemade pie, or homemade canning and pickling and putting up and preserving, or or even the DIY trend of the last decade, where chefs no longer it's no longer good enough to put bacon in a recipe. You got to make your own bacon. You got to make your own salami. I mean, this is stuff that my in laws and everybody you know does in Minnesota. I mean, it's just part and parcel of what you have to do. Um, everybody knows how to make you know beef sticks and venison sticks with the, you know, the results of hunting season. And I mean, it's really quite quite something to see all the things that we do very naturally in Minnesota become sort of sought-after, trendy uh, signposts in the rest of the world.
0: But, you know, there's something else, too, and that is I remember when I was going to school in Madison, Wisconsin, the definition of sautéed was extremely deep-fried, and all they had was pizza <laughs> and sausage. You know it, and I know it. And now yeah. you go to Madison, Wisconsin, or you go to St. Paul— I mean, we're talking cutting-edge, world-class cuisine that, that uh, can yeah. rival anything.
2: Yeah, it's, it is an amazing trend, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the economics of operating restaurants in uh, the world's capitals combined with um, the fact that everybody is born somewhere. And I, on the road, and I'm sure you see it too, I see it in other countries all the time, these wonderful restaurants kind of in the middle of nowhere from a you know a, a, the mind of a young chef who was, was born there, went to the big city, learned everything, saw everything, traveled, and then said, "Screw it, I'm going home," and going to uh, going to open up a place there. I, I think the most emblematic story of all would be, you know, what what I think is easily the best restaurant in the five state area. I mean, not even close. Uh, And that is Spoon and Stadel, which is in Minneapolis, and that's Gavin Kaysen's restaurant. And Gavin was born in Bloomington, Minnesota, got his first job making sandwiches at Subway, uh, ended up moving to, uh, went to culinary school, went to San Diego and and won a Food and Wine 10 Best New Chef Award, uh, moved to New York and won a, a Beard Award for his work at Danielle. Um, and you know, sort of became Danielle Baloud's, you know, left hand, and opened all of his uh, uh, cafe Balouds for him, and sort of was the the heir designate in that empire. And he decided, rather than you know rent a space in New York, uh, to go back to and essentially work for a landlord for the rest of your life. To open up his dream restaurant in Minneapolis and last year he opened up Spoon and Stable and I think it's on just about everyone's national best new restaurant list it was nominated for several beard awards last year and it's just an amazing, amazing place. And there's 10 or 12 restaurants, you know, within five mile drive of, of where I live that I would put up against any restaurant in any city anywhere.
0: Sure, and you know, but before we run out of time, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Andrew Zimmern's Canteen. I mean, the Twins may, may not be a hot baseball team, but the food's pretty good now at the stadium.
2: Riding along in my automobile My baby beside me at the wheel Cruising and playing the radio
6: With no particular place to go
0: audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre so check it out for yourself sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com/ travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial this place is massive over 500 stores. it's the most most visited attraction in the world 42 million people a year and uh, that's not even when they're not even having a sale. Um, It's just this unbelievable place that's, what, 23 years old, and of course, it's so easy to get lost in this place because it's so massive. There's so many things to do. So of course, my next guest had to come to the rescue with her book, (laughs) The Unofficial Guide. None of these official guides. We want The Unofficial Guide to the Mall of America, Beth Blair. How are you?
5: I'm great, Peter. How are you?
0: Now, I know that you're a former flight attendant. I am. For about three different airlines. Yes. But uh, you landed. I did land. And you landed at the Mall of America. I did. I mean, it is when I say the word massive, it's not an understatement.
5: It is not. You know, being, Actually, it
0: could be an understatement. It, well,
5: <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Being a former flight attendant, I I feel like this mall let me help you <laughs> because it's it is it's massive right every time i'm here somebody comes up to me and says can you tell me where fill in the blank people are always asking for directions but
0: you know it's interesting i'm going to give you a little flight attendant analogy all my friends who are flight attendants i always ask them okay where are you shopping on your layover right <laughs> yes this is the this is the ultimate layover story. this is the ultimate layover right and it applies and you to will you. see crews here oh oh i do see crews here <laughs> yes. you bet they hit the ground running definitely right? but what's your attraction to this place
5: well i'm a mom I have three children from ages one to eleven, and there is something for every age. When my when my parents come out, there's something for them to do. It doesn't matter what age you are; you can find something to shop for or to to play. It's great.
0: Okay, I had to ask the question: Have you been slimed? I have not been slimed yet,
5: but here it's Nickelodeon Universe. (laughs) I know it's my favorite place in the world. Though
0: your kids have they been slimed? Not yet. Wow! I know they're (laughs) being deprived. They are.
5: They are, and they've asked about that.
0: Well, what's cool about this place is not only just the stores because you you can go to a lot of malls and see stores but you get the movie theaters yes and you got that one movie theater that, that has the motion and the yes, sound i
5: know it's so exciting how cool is that it's so cool
0: i mean there's 3d but then there's motion and sound right right, right. you like that. it
5: puts you there yes
0: and this is the movie theater that also serves you dinner yes oh even better and it's not just nachos not just nachos. thank you very much okay what's the biggest surprise i mean you wrote the unofficial guide I what's did. the biggest surprise either experience or store here at the mall?
5: Okay, well, the Me 3D store is amazing. Because? It is the new selfie. You can go and have a little figurine made of yourself. That's scary. Or your family, or your sports team. Okay. And that's really cool. I also love that the mall is connected to the airport because people people actually schedule layovers to come down here to shop.
0: And, that, and that's their entire Minnesota experience, by the it way. It is, it is. Right? I mean, they land at the airport, they come here, they go back to the airport, they leave. Absolutely. And most of these stores will ship for you.
5: They will. And there are lockers to hold your luggage while you shop.
0: Oh, this is getting scarier. I and scarier. know, I know. And the sales tax deal.
5: Yes, no sales tax. On? Clothing, shoes, you name it.
0: And food. And food. Oh, yes. I'm helping you out Yes.
5: They- <laughs>
0: but of the other than the Me3D store, I mean, because you're talking about 500 different retail outlets yes. here, right? What's the weirdest one? The
5: weirdest one. Okay, there is a shop. That you brickmania, and you can go and buy little um, military figurines for your Legos.
0: That's it. That's the all, whole. Stuff. They have
5: the whole. Th- yes, it's all military based. Le- but people love Legos.
0: They do. Okay. Yeah,
5: that's what I don't think it's weird, but it's just cool. Okay. What's the,
0: what's the funniest one?
5: <laughs> the funniest. That is a good one. You stumped me on that one.
0: Okay, no problem. <laughs> but you've also got. It's, it's more than just stores. It's restaurants. Yes. What's the weirdest cuisine here? <laughs>
5: Okay. Well, have you ever had fried cheese curds? Of course. Yes. I went to school in Madison, Wisconsin. Well, you can you get kidding? those in Nickelodeon Universe.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And by the way, if you're coming to Minnesota, you have to have cheese curds.
5: I forgot you were from Wisconsin.
0: Well, I'm not from there, but I went to school. school there. there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, so you would know. You gotta have. The, you gotta have the cheese curds. Yes.
5: All
0: right. And what's your one piece of advice as to what time to get here and what time to get out of here?
5: Oh, the earlier the better, and start on the top floor and work your way down. Why? Because most people start on the first floor and it just gets a little crazy. But if you start at the top, it's a little bit mellower. You can get in and out of stores quicker.
0: But what do you do with all the stuff? You put them in the locker. Where are the lockers? The
5: lockers are there at all of the guest service entrances and at, at the Nickelodeon Universe underneath the Ferris wheel.
0: Okay, but here's here's my stupid question. Okay. People come here on layovers, right? Yes. I'm assuming they only have carry-on bags. Now right. they're gonna buy all this stuff.
5: Right. How do they get back to the plane without getting charged that $9 is, million dollars for their bags? That is a good question. Budget it in.
0: Or, or have the store ship it.
5: Or have, yes. And the shipping is, it really is so helpful.
0: You gotta do that. You do. And you know what, if you do that and you ship it, then you don't have to think about it. Exactly. And you're not paying tax. Yes. So if you ship it out of state, most cases you don't have to pay tax. Right. People don't realize that. No, Especially when it comes to independent bookstores. Go to an independent bookstore, not one of the big chains, buy as many books as you want, <laughs> yes. and just ship them. And it's like 10 bucks, goodbye, done. Yeah. And you're not schlepping. So brilliant. This may be the Mall of America, but you don't want it to be the schlepping mall. Of <laughs> Hello, uh, this is your captain
2: speaking. There is absolutely no cause for alarm.
3: Get water running. Head out on the highway, looking for adventure.
0: Now, throughout the show, I've been saying we're coming to you from the J.W. Marriott Hotel inside the Mall of America in Minnesota. Sometimes I'll say we're in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sometimes I'll say we're in Bloomington. But joining me now is the man who's going to correct all of my mistakes because he's the honorable mayor of Bloomington, Minnesota, Gene Winstead. Thank you, sir. Well, hello. And where are we right now? You are in Bloomington, Minnesota. Thank you. See, I knew that. But most people would say Minneapolis, wouldn't they?
1: Well, Minneapolis is the center city yeah. here in this region and probably what it's known as. And Bloomington is uh, just the stepchild of Minneapolis. And you said that
0: as the mayor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's Well, we are a great region, and uh, it is a regional area. And really, all of us together, collectively, all the cities in this Minneapolis-St. Paul-Bloomington region, it uh, makes up a pretty good uh, size region, good city, things happening.
0: Now, but- you're about 15 minutes from the airport, which is located in? Next to Bloomington,
1: Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> the airport isn't located with any speci- in, within any specific city. It is an entity of itself.
0: Wow. Does it have a mayor?
1: It does not have a mayor. It's got a commission that governs the airport, and they do have a chairman.
0: Now, you've been a resident of Bloomington for about 40 years. Forty years worth, yes. Yeah. What brought you here? Well, I'm a Minneapolis
1: kid. No, I grew up in Minneapolis. Oh, so
0: you made the big move.
1: I made. I married a Bloomington girl.
0: Ah, that. So, be- uh,
1: where are we going to live? The answer was yes, dear. It was. <laughs> so, been in Bloomington ever since.
0: So, in forty years, you've seen so much change. Tons
1: of change. I've watched uh, this whole region grow up and really become uh, uh, quite an area to be proud of.
0: Now, the Mall of America has been opened, what, 21 20 years?
1: Oh, more than that. 22, uh, maybe.
0: 1994,
1: right? 1992. Really? Yeah, so we're going on 23, 24 years. Wow. Worth.
0: But before there was a Mall of America here, what was where we are right now?
1: Where we are right now was what called was Metropolitan Stadium. It was the old, the old home Metropo- of, yeah, of yeah, the of old the Twins? Metropolitan Stadium. The Twins and the Minnesota Vikings were here. It's uh, one of the things that people remember Bloomington by. Uh, they would see our professional sports teams playing at Metropolitan Stadium.
0: You had professional sports? I'm just kidding. Just Be kidding. careful. Okay. Be very okay, careful okay. fine, it. fine. But the twins can come back.
1: Uh they're they're rallying, you know, they're they're taking a <laughs> run at things early say, on.
0: You didn't say that with a lot of confidence. Yeah, that,
1: they've had their issues, but uh, you know, they're they're
0: pointed in the right direction the Vikings on the other hand almost did okay this year
1: they uh, were right there till the last kick the last play of the last game yeah, that
0: last kick can somebody explain that does that guy is that guy under a bus now
1: it's it's too bad because he has been a solid player a great yeah. kicker and really done it and when it really was on the line it just didn't happen
0: so basically he, he he's in the witness relocation program now
1: I uh, I think he has been in exile no one has seen him uh, for a couple <laughs> weeks now. <laughs>
0: You know, if you look at the history of professional football, there are two words that you ever there are two sets of two words that you always hear that you know has ended somebody's career: wide left or wide right. <laughs> that one was wide left, big time.
1: Wide left, big, big time. time. You know, oh, he hooked it. He, oh boy, were you at the game? I was not at the game, no. But I but was obviously you heard about it. I, well, I was watching, oh, but yeah. uh, I was
0: not at the game. So. What's the biggest thing that's a surprise to people who visit Bloomington that they're not expecting to see?
1: Well, I, I think they're expecting to see a city that's really evolved into really a region uh, that really has it all. It uh, This community is just uh, full of everything, you know, we've got our arts, we've got our professional sports teams, we've got our natural resources, uh, you, we've got big business, so you've, everything is here in the city of Bloomington and in this whole area.
0: Well, one of the things I want to talk about in depth, of course, is where we are right now, the Mall of America. because statistically you know they boast that they're the largest visited attraction in the world 42 million people come here every year and isn't it interesting that the people i'm gonna guess this you can tell me if i'm wrong but the people who come to the mall of america may not even know they're in bloomington they're just flying in to go shopping
1: well i think that's true i think when you uh... head to any region you know and you're going to an amenity or an attraction in the area Uh, You go to kind of uh, what the center city is and and think about it from that perspective. But, no, it has been a great draw, a great uh, tourism attraction. It's just uh, been phenomenal to see how it's been received uh, from people all over the country and really all over the world. I mean,
0: you think over 500 stores, I mean, you could spend a week here and not do all of them. Well, and we would encourage that. uh, I I saw people in the mall last night who've been living there for three months and nobody knows. Yeah.
4: If you are sitting next to a small child or someone who is acting like a small child, please do us all a favor and put on your mask first. And
2: fall, Mr. Mayor,
0: when we talk about the impact, just the economic impact of the Mall of America in your city, it had to be phenomenal.
1: Well, first of all, it, of its size, it's there. The commerce that it brings, the retail presence it's got in it. But it's so much more than that. I mean, it is an attraction of itself with everything from the Nickelodeon universe, a seven-acre
0: indoor theme park. Okay, I have to ask a question. Have you been slimed?
1: I No, no, I've avoided yeah. that to date. All
0: these years you've not been slain.
1: Uh, you'd have to know how to avoid it. Yes. <laughs> but it's I no I uh, got a whole pack of grandkids and uh, we're and out here regularly. And they, they've been yes, slimed, yes, <laughs> yes. So it's uh they, they head me off. But so there's been so much else but what it has is it's really the spinoff uh, spin-off around it, the different support uh, companies and businesses that do things to support them all uh, as well as the hospitality industry is really been uh, growing in the city of Bloomington due to its presence. Uh, So it's been good to see.
0: When you're trying to attract business here and that's part of your job right you need to get businesses to come to Bloomington not not just limited to the Mall of America but isn't it nice that there's no sales tax on what?
1: There's no sales tax on food and clothing in the state of Minnesota so that is a great attraction for a retail center a mall.
0: How long has that been in place?
1: That is the way it's always been since our sales tax was implemented back in about 1968. So it's been uh, yeah, tax-free on clothing. And
0: that's an untouchable deal. No one's going to touch that. That's the third rail. You're not going to mess with
1: that. Uh, <clears throat> people have talked about it, and I think uh, you know over at the legislature, and they've been run out of office, I think, when they, that one comes <laughs> up. Uh, it comes up about every year that uh, someone thinks about a way to broaden the sales tax base. Now, but.
0: there are a lot of, of cities that will do their annual restaurant week, uh, where they do a, you know a price fix uh, or a prefix lunch or dinner. Um, or there's a week where all of a sudden there's a sales tax moratorium on other things. Do we have that here in Minnesota too?
1: No, I haven't heard of that. Yeah. Uh, nice little promotion.
0: We should probably work on that. Yes, you should. Well, you, you're also a restaurateur. Well,
1: yes, I am. Talk about your restaurants. Well, I'm the owner of Ikes Food and Cocktails, which we have a couple of outlets. We're actually building a uh, third store here in Bloomington, Minnesota and uh, pretty traditional food uh, the theme of the place would be that of a new york cocktail lounge restaurant uh, how'd the name ike's come in ike's comes in from a former partner of mine his father was named the last name isaacson and the nickname ike came on board and uh, so
0: we kind of named it after him and is this when you go to the restaurant and meet the mayor
1: well you can if i happen to be there i'm <laughs> in and out on a regular basis uh, so I really take care of the business end of it. Right. Uh, you, haven't,
0: you haven't done your turn behind the bar.
1: I have not done my turn behind the bar. I've got a great executive chef that uh, uh, brings in great food that I could not even attempt to create.
0: What's your signature dish?
1: Our signature dish, believe it or not, is the basic hamburger, the burger. We're known for it. I think we won every award in this area for our burgers, and uh, people keep coming back. I love to hear it when they say it's the best burger they've ever had.
0: Switching back to the Mall of America, otherwise known as MOA, everybody calls it MOA, right? MOA. MOA. We've seen around the country the diminution, if you will, uh, of malls. You've seen the big box stores start to kind of slide away. Uh, Everybody's ordering online. Uh, That's got to be a concern for you with so many tenants here uh, that, that are part of Bloomington now.
1: Well, you see that, and, you know, I think probably the big box retailers are the ones that are seeing that maybe this has run its course. But uh, the Mall of America, as you mentioned, is made up of more than 500 individual retailers. I mean, there are its department stores, but no big boxes per se. But there's so much more happening here at the Mall of America, whether it be the hospitality side of it, the food and beverage, the restaurants, underwater adventure. Uh, the Nickelodeon universe there 's just so much else happening where it 's more of an experience that you incorporate shopping into so it's uh it 's kind of the new normal,
0: so you guys can can weather that storm
1: well, I think it will be the mall anywhere that does weather that storm, yes,
0: because I see other malls now going vacant around the country, people just not showing up um, you know it's like the Amazon influence is just basically going online, and next day you got your stuff, sure.
1: And uh, definitely, I think it's impacted all of retail, but you're going to see the, the big ones still maintain.
0: I would suspect, and please tell me if you think I'm wrong, that in certain communities, maybe Bloomington, the mall becomes part of the community. You go there to hang out with your friends. It's not just a shopping experience.
1: Exactly. No, this is a destination for many people, for many events.
0: And foreign visitors?
1: Tons of foreign visitors. It's great to see. I see them in the mall. You'll see them speaking other languages, and you'll see them looking at their map of the mall and, and looking for directions. And, of and,
0: course, you point them in the direction of Ikes.
1: I, well, there isn't an Ikes in the I mall. Know, I, know, but, I know you uh, point them outside the if mall. we can, them. we will. Yes,
0: of course we will. <laughs> but but that that foreign visitor thing is not is, is not an insignificant number.
1: It's not an insignificant number. There is, uh, I mean, I think it's, it's probably five, you know five eight percent of the mall traffic
0: is from foreign they basically fly into the airport get on a shuttle and come over here
1: it's exactly
0: so they don't really see much of Minnesota or Bloomington they're here for the mall
1: well they start there but they will reach out
4: if you are continuing on to another Southwest destination please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and
5: flight information if
3: you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care.
0: As you know, uh, I, uh, I believe that you can't go anywhere without asking the locals. Uh, They know more than anybody. Forget the brochures. Forget the guidebooks. You want to hang out and immerse yourself in the local culture and hang out with the people who actually live and work there. And I go one step beyond that uh, because when I go to a new city, and even an old city, one of the first places I want to go is the firehouse. And the reason for that is who knows that city better? They've been in everybody's house. They've been in everybody's hotel. They've been in everybody's restaurant. They know where to go. They know where not to go. And I guarantee you, they know where to go to eat. Uh, and uh, so uh, Minneapolis or Bloomington, no exception. Joining me now, somebody who knows a little bit about this. He's been on the department for over twenty years. He's the uh, assistant chief of the Minneapolis Fire Department, Brian Turner. How are you? Good, good. How are you doing, Brian? I should say assistant chief tyner. Yes. Okay. Okay. You'll still talk to me now. i still talk <laughs> Okay. To good. You. The bottom line is, you heard my introduction. It's true. You, I mean, people forget the best source of information about a city are the guys who've got to fight the fires because they're 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 on the streets. That's right. You know where to go. And you've seen this city grow. You've seen it go from a sleepy little Midwestern place and, and a capital. And, and Minneapolis is not the capital. It's St. Paul, but forgetting that. Uh, but you've seen the growth. I have. And along with the growth have come the challenges.
3: Absolutely. It's still growing.
0: I know. So when you want to go someplace, and then we're going to talk you know, local fun here, right? When you want to go out to dinner, where do the guys go?
3: You know what? When I would like to go out to dinner, I like live music. And uh, we have a lot nice live music scene here. So I like to go to uh, famous days in Uptown if I'm looking for live music. It's a uh, barbecue chain. and I usually try to stay away from the chain restaurants, but this but you stage,
0: don't stay away from the barbecue.,
3: I don't stay away from the barbecue. And this particular <laughs> restaurant has a live stage, a big stage. You can listen to jazz, blues, R and B. Uh, other types of music, so it's a nice place to go.
0: So basically what you're saying is you're doing surprise inspections and fire safety situations at that place every chance you get. <laughs> More or less. <laughs> We're just checking the sprinkler system, oh, you have music, I'm shocked. Yeah, right, oh. <laughs> and barbecue. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, that's one. That's one. What about, uh, what about lunch?
3: Lunch? Um, lunch, I like to go to a place called Emily's, it's kind of a, a small restaurant. Uh, like I said, I like to get away from the major chains. See, that,
0: I'm with you all the way.
3: Yep, last place to go or the Lari Cafe.
0: Now, what, okay, what do you order there?
3: What I order, I usually order. Now,
0: a, by the way, I should tell everybody who's who's not watching the the assistant chief here. You're not tiny.
3: No, no, I uh, I know you I like to like eat. To eat. I, yes. I oh, like Okay, to fine. Eat.
0: So <laughs> now let's talk. Okay, so what are you ordering at Emily's?
3: At Emily's, a lot of times I'll still order breakfast there, even if it's lunchtime. So I like to get the uh, ranch breakfast. It comes with uh, your choice of meat. Uh, Eggs, hash browns, uh, the whole nine yards.
0: So basically, you're not portion controlled. I am not portion (laughs) controlled. (laughs) It takes
3: a lot of energy to run this body. (laughs) That's right.
0: And for lunch, the other place?
3: The lunch, the other place is the Lowry Cafe. Uh, They have a wide variety. Every now and then I order a salad, but as you can tell, I'm probably not a big salad eater. But I'll also, (laughs) I got a nice variety of sandwiches and burgers and things that I like to eat there.
0: And these are places that are not necessarily in the brochure or the guidebooks. It's just like where you guys like to go.
3: Yep, these are just places that I like to go. You probably won't find them in any guidebook. And uh, also for dinner, if I'm trying to impress, uh, my oh, oh wife, hair comes here comes here, okay, go ahead. Lady, uh, I like to go downtown to Seven. Uh, it's a uh, it's actually two restaurants in one. It's a steakhouse on the first floor, and it's like a sushi lounge and bar on the second floor.
0: Let me guess, you're not going for the sushi.
3: I sometimes go for the sushi, but I'll usually yeah, the yeah, we yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: What's changed in in, in Minneapolis over the last couple of years in terms of the entire food and restaurant scene?
3: Uh, I think the uh, variety of food has changed a lot. Uh, It used to be it was all kind of Midwestern food, uh, steak, burgers, uh, chicken, things like that. But now we've got, I think, a lot more diversity in the city, and the food has gotten a lot more diverse also.
0: And obviously, because you guys are riding around all the time, you're discovering new places. Absolutely, absolutely. So the guys will come back from a run and go, hey, you know what? We were, we were reporting to an alarm over here, but we discovered this unbelievable place. we got to right. go.
3: A lot of times, we just follow our nose. You know, we're driving by. Hey, that smells pretty Okay, good. wait
0: see. That one's not on fire. That one is on <laughs> yes. fire. Exactly. What's the biggest surprise when people come to visit you in Minneapolis that they're not expecting to see?
3: Uh, I think uh, the people. One, uh, I think we got a nice mix of people here. Uh, I think a lot of people think that this is just uh, the wilderness, and they find out that it actually is a, a pretty vibrant city. So I think that surprises a lot of people.
0: Now, Mall of America, the most visited attraction in the world, forty-two million people show up here.
3: Well, everybody knows about the Mall of America. Yeah, I know everybody doesn't. But do
0: you have a secret place at the Mall of America that you like to go to?
3: Uh, you know the secret place I like to go to. Well, they, I don't know if there is any secrets in the Mall of America, but I really enjoy the comedy club here. Uh, they bring in a lot of good comedy acts. Um, and then uh, places to eat like bubblegum shrimp. Or
0: no, we're not going to talk about bubblegum shrimp. Come on, stop.
3: You don't like bubblegum shrimp. I, I, it's there. It's, you yeah, see, you right, just got right. finished saying no chains, yeah. no chains. But, yeah, that's true. Well, they don't really have any. I don't
0: yeah, think yeah, they, they, have they do.
3: any Nine chain restaurants in here that I'm no, aware no. of. no,
0: exactly. But but the comedy place you like.
3: The comedy place I really like. The exactly. comedy place I really like. Uh, you can go there. You can catch a show. Uh, the show will always feature uh, a couple of local comedians, and then it'll also have a headliner, a national headliner. And
0: do local comedians ever make fun of the fire department?
3: Not often. <laughs> but actually, we have had in our history a few uh, firefighter comedians that have done the circuit, and, and they were pretty
0: good. And you go there to support them?
3: I do. and And they they, they, they always make fun of you like they'll call you out the crowd and make fun of you especially (laughs) me with my voice so
0: you got a great voice (laughs) thank you no you do
3: it's great you should be an announcer it's probably the most imitated voice in the fire department right now is you yeah oh my god i think so
0: all right so people are surprised about the people they're surprised about the fact that you're not a wilderness right (laughs) and forgetting the fact that you've got over 500 stores at the mall of america it's also movie theaters and comedy clubs
3: it is theater. Uh, also, uh, I don't know if you want to call it Broadway theater, but a lot of live theater, uh, sports. We have pretty much everything. So
0: something tells me chief that you're having a pretty good time here in Minneapolis.
3: I am having a good time <laughs> and I also like the outdoors and you don't have to go very far to get to it.
0: You're not an ice fisherman though.
3: I am an ice fisherman. No, I do ice fish.
0: When you're not doing barbecue,
3: when I'm not doing barbecue.
0: And what are you catching when you fish?
3: Normally, I'm fishing. If a mice fishing, it's walleye or panfish, like crappies or sunnies, things like that. But and then, every now and then, you catch bass in the northerns also. And
0: then, let me guess, you're blocking them.
3: I do. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Howard Radio, clearance, over. That's Clarence, over. Over. Roger. Huh?
0: You know, I'm born and raised in New York, I also live in Los Angeles, so Minnesota becomes one of these unfortunate flyover states that people don't take seriously until they actually show up here and realize, guess what, there's a lot to be said about Minnesota, the art scene, the culture, the food, you name it. And joining us now is, is, is a perfect example of that, that you would not necessarily think about when you think about Minnesota. You know, so many people who don't come here think that there are only two seasons in Minnesota, winter and construction. They don't understand that there's a whole lot more to do. And joining me now, he's the curator of Japanese and Korean art and the head director of the Clark Center at the Minneapolis Institute of Art. I hope I got the entire title right. I know it's a longer title than that. Andreas Marks. How are you, sir?
6: Good morning. How are you?
0: Good. I mean, uh, you know, Minnesota as an art destination strikes some people as a surprise, but not you.
6: No, not at all. Um, and you can clearly hear from my accent that I'm not quite from around this area. So, um, I mean, I, I, for me, Minnesota always has been um, on the map. And, uh, and in my field in Japanese art, it basically is the place to be. And I'm not being humble here, but that's... Simply okay, fa- so I
0: have to ask a stupid question. How did that come to be?
6: That came to be through um, passionate collectors in town um, and through a clever move of the museum to basically devote galleries to the strong areas in the collection. So I have 16 galleries for Japanese art, which makes it the largest permanent display space for Japan in the entire Western world.
0: That's unbelievable because because when, when people think about where museums are and what they display, it usually is, not always, but it usually is a reflection of the population of that location. So if there's a huge Japanese community in San Francisco, you'd expect more Japanese restaurants, more Japanese galleries, more Japanese artists, more Japanese avenues of expression. There is not a huge Japanese community in Minnesota.
6: No, not at all. Uh, that's correct. So um, that's it, it's rather unusual um, for for our demographic. Um, that's that's absolutely right. But nevertheless, it's all about the art and where it is. So um, and maybe that's one of the reasons um, why we can expand. Um, you know, there are other institutions in town, of course, as well. I mean, there is a, a Russian art museum, um, just devoted to Russia. Um, why there are not that many Russians here either? But um, for Japan, it has. Grown. We have a very strong Chinese collection as well, by the way. So it's not only Japan, but um, that's one of the focuses of our institution to be global. And you're getting there.
0: My question is not that many people know about it. So when they come here, they've got to be surprised by it.
6: They are, they are. Too many people somehow think that the Met is the only place to go to in in this kind of world, but um, it's it's quite not like that, actually. Um, I love the Met. It's a very nice institution, but um, I have more square footage than the Met, I have to say. Um, I'm very proud of that. You have Um, more square footage than what? Than the Metropolitan Museum of Art for Japanese Art. That's unbelievable. Yes, that is. Yes, and people don't know it. People think that we only have snow. No, we have other things, too. (laughs) Yes, you
0: do. So in the collection, what's the biggest surprise with, uh, as, as a work of
6: art? The, um, the collection is very diverse. So we have a very strong print collection. Um, but now we also have a very strong painting collection as well um, through donations and purchases that we've done over the last years.
0: And you're getting strong community support.
6: We're getting strong community support as well. Yes, yes.
0: But that had to take a period of time to develop because nobody woke up in Minnesota one day and said, hey, let's go see some Japanese art.
6: No, there have been very crucial collectors for us um, from James Hill until very recently, um, Bill Clark, and um, who just passed away, and then Mary Griggs Burke. And right now at the moment, we have two special exhibitions up. Um, One, the entire permanent galleries, is the Mary Griggs Burke collection that we received last year as a donation. And then there is a special exhibition called Seven Masters which is Prince of um, yeah, the collection of um, Fred and Ellen Wells, and I've brought you as a little uh, fun piece this, for this morning the catalog I made for that exhibition. Wow! Um, with a nice cover that unfortunately nobody can write see now, other than the two of us. Um, that's right. It's, uh, yes, um, <laughs> because it's a it's a very beautiful um, print of uh, well a woman in a bath, so she has to be topless, and um, and there's a big and of course going
0: that, for the big for the big mass audience, you went with the topless piece for the cover.
6: That's exactly what I yes, I picked this course. cover. Yes. Of course
0: you did. Yes. Yeah, it's all about sales.
6: <laughs> of course, of course. And this is the, And if you come to the museum and you're looking for this exhibition, you just need to ask the guards, where is the big post of the topless woman? And then they can guide you to it.
0: You see, that's how you get people in the museums. You don't talk about history. You don't talk about culture. You don't talk about you know, the dynamics of how a, an entire movement started. You say, hey, there's a topless woman on page two, and they show up.
6: Well, that's what you say at the beginning, and right. then you pack the culture, the history, yeah, into the in. yes. You sneak, sneak it in. in. You sneak it in. You sneak it in. Well, you've
0: done a great job of that, and what a great surprise to come to Minnesota and to find this exhibit here. It's just amazing. Get
5: 171,
3: contact departure. Contact departure, Idlebase, go 403. Adios. AMAC 403, contact departure, adios. Over to departure, 171. Awesome job.
0: Joining me now, a transplant from, uh, from Connecticut. Uh, he's the executive chef here at the Cedar and Stone restaurant right here at the JW Marriott. His name is Everton Clark. How are you, sir? Good morning, everyone. Uh, transplant from Connecticut. How'd that happen?
4: Well, you know, um, after about, I think, 1980, my parents moved from um, from the U.K. and brought me here. My dad lives in... I, de- I, de- I detected yeah. a little bit of an accent yeah. there, yeah. So my dad brought me over and um, spent about 30 years there, going to school in Rhode Island. Um, long time, long time over there. But you were cooking there, too. Absolutely. Uh, all all have been with, with Marriott. So you're a, you're a lifetime Marriott guy. Lifetimer, about 19 years.
0: But, you know, if I took a look at the history of Marriott, and I spent a lot of time with, with Bill Marriott himself, you know, and you take a look at the, how they started with that little root beer stand and, and, you know, the, in, in Maryland and then, and then moved over to hotel business, hotel food was never really, at the, in those days, a priority. It was sort of a meat and potatoes place, and you ate at the hotel because you had nowhere else to go. And that, and it was
4: more like an, an amenity. Yeah. Um, if if our, our guests are in house and, and they wanted something to eat, we'd just try to create something. But now there's more of an emphasis on what we're
0: actually giving our guests. So, but you know what? It's not just your guests; it's the local traffic too. People, Absolutely, they, and that's the difference. I think hotels have come up, have figured it out that. That if they just stayed with you know uh, chicken fingers for the kids and and burgers and you know, a piece of prime rib and a potato, people were going to get bored very quickly. Absolutely.
4: Well, you, I'm sure you had dinner here at Seed and Stone last night, so you see some of the uh, the things that we have to serve on our menu. So well, I will we... say this,
0: and 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 you should you should be ashamed of yourself because you you gave it to me, <laughs> uh, and, I, and I and I couldn't finish it. Of course, I was I was complicit in that because I ordered it. Uh, it was the gouda, mac and cheese. Oh man! Uh, actually, you know, I'm glad
4: you brought up the gouda mac and cheese. We get her we source our gouda from a local uh, cheese monger right here, Eichten um, Dairy. So they make all of our gouda cheese for us
0: that we use locally. Um, and, and that's a whole big deal too i mean everybody talks about farm to table but if you're in minnesota you are farm to table absolutely most of our um
4: products we source within the 200 mile radius so um i would say 80 percent of our produce right here grown right here except for your seasonal fruits uh we get some out of california mexico Uh, cherry season, strawberry season, and all those things that we cannot get locally.
0: But the point is, we live in the world of globalization now, you can get anything now. You can, but you'll pay a premium. (laughs) Of course you (laughs) will. What's the one thing, other than that Gouda mac and cheese, which I have to tell you is devastating, uh, that you have on the menu that might surprise people?
4: Wow, we have so many. We have the the halibut, um, the pan-seared halibut, with the shallot confit, sautéed spinach, and a carrot puree. People love that it's one of our number one sellers and obviously our uh, braised short rib we certainly start most of the nights. My overnight cook started around 11 p.m. at night. How long, how long does it take them to do that? It's about eight hours. It, on the menu says about 12-hour braids, but it's about an eight-hour braids. We could keep it at around 180, 200 degrees, slow braids. We're talking slow cooking here. Yeah, slow cooking, and it comes out really tender in the morning.
0: Now, there's one thing that I know, I don't even know if it's on your menu, but I know you have it. Okay. Because you can't be a restaurant in the Midwest and not have it, cheese curds. We certainly do. It's I know you have. I know yeah, you have
4: it. We certainly do. So now
0: you got to come back down for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do the cheese curds differently. We do. We we dehydrate. First some of time. all, tell everybody what cheese curd is, because most of my friends who have never been to the Midwest, you mentioned cheese curds. And like, I don't know if I want to do that. And then they have it, and they love it. Well, in the process
4: of making cheese, there's that whey. When you separate the, the water, that protein, from the, from the whey, you have the, the, the cheese that's on top, so that becomes hardened with a little bit of rennet, and then we have what you call type of like a mozzarella. So we use that, and we bread it slightly, and then fry it, and you get your cheese curds. And
0: then you dip it?
4: Yes. In our, what? In what? This is a dehydrated hot sauce powder. So we dehydrate it in-house, and then we crumble it up, and then we it's like a buffalo sauce, and then we just uh, toss it inside. Not too spicy. Not too spicy, but you can tell there's a little bit of uh, heat to it. It's a little bit of a
0: kick. Yes. What's the, And I, I asked this of all the chefs, so you're no exception today. What's the one item, because it's a relatively new hotel. You've only been open a couple of months. So what's the one item you put on the menu from day one that uh, you said, okay, this is going to sell, everybody's going to like it, and it tanked. Or what's the one item you put on the menu saying, really, I don't know, nobody's going to want this, and everybody loves it. Which one? Wow. Um, Well, the one that's really,
4: that resonates here is uh, being in the Midwest, is your meat and potato. So we have the the braised short rib. We knew that was going to take off.
6: They're dangerous at both ends and crafty in the middle. How can I want anything with a mind of its own bobbing about between my legs?
5: get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 minutes podcast hard-hitting investigative reports news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode listen to 60 minutes ad free on Plus.
2: the hargan women seem to have
5: it all from the outside looking in we were blessed my mom